To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. No, I probably had COVID like 74 times. I have no clue and I don't care. Everybody liked Blanche. Because Blanche was a pig who took it in the ass. Did you smell your poop? Did you learn anything? Did you read about the dog story? Why the f*** is my ex-girlfriend who I despise calling me? A lot to blame on the news. It's a lot to blame on Anthony Fauci, that Italian leprechaun. Almost like it never existed, but it fucking did. So do me a favor. Go f*** yourself. Slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. If you want to go ahead and check out the website, posing music question concerns about bodybuilding, uh, you know, you can go ahead and hit me up there in the contact section, or you can just email me directly, positive sarcasm at outlook.com. Uh, Weeble app, free stocks. The description is in, uh, it's in the link down below the description. Go ahead and get yourself some free stocks. Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm, facebook.com slash POS sarcasm. Also merch wearer is available. There's a lot of ways that you can plug in. Also my additional channel for music reactions. Go ahead and check that out. Positive sarcasm reactions channel. Um, I see all of the people getting into their into their cap and gowns, getting re- literally getting ready like one week away from graduating and all that stuff. And I just want I want to remind everybody that there is something significant going down in the in the Supreme Court in just like five or six weeks. There's going to be a ruling on student loan forgiveness, and at this point, we're talking about te- thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars. And I want Brian Kim from um, from Clear Value Tax to explain to you. It's only eight minutes, about just under eight minutes long. You should really pay attention to it. It's really important because we have a debt crisis in this country and there's your personal debt is very, very important that you take ownership of it, whether the government's gonna help you out or not. So just pay attention. This is not a left or right thing. This is just, you need to know what's going to happen so whether or not you're going to pay or you're responsible for these bills that are gonna be coming up. So I do want you to be aware of this and exactly what's going down. So pay attention to the facts of the matter because this is going to impact your bills going forward. Perspective, their side of the story. But regardless of whether you're for it or against it, I'm here to update you on the situation and I'm gonna give you the facts. Now let's get started. Okay, so it's been a while since I talked about student loan forgiveness. I checked my video history The last time I talked on this subject matter was about six months ago. So here's where I left off, and I'm going to go through this pretty briefly. Biden went through with student loan forgiveness. It was up to $10,000 per person, and it was up to $20,000 for eligible Pell Grants recipients. 26 million people applied for student loan forgiveness on the government website. I'm guessing that many people here, I mean, 26 million people, that's a lot of people. I'm guessing quite a few people here that are watching went through the process. And 16 million applications were approved. More were going to be approved, but they halted the program because of the lawsuits. So the lawsuits argued that the Biden administration overstepped its authority, that student loan cancellation required congressional approval. So the House and the Senate, they never voted on it. The Biden administration and Education Secretary, they just did it. They went through with it. 
And the Biden administration says that they don't need congressional approval. Their argument is that the HEROES Act of 2003 authorizes the U.S. Secretary of Education to implement forgiveness measures during times of national emergencies. So they're saying that the pandemic was a national emergency, so yes, they do have the authority. Now this issue of student loan cancellation, it's been taken all the way up to the Supreme Court. So the Supreme Court is supposed to issue a ruling on whether or not it's legal by the end of June. The Supreme Court does have a conservative majority of six to three, and they are inclined to rule against student loan cancellation. However, in addition to the Biden administration making the arguments of the HEROES Act, they're also arguing that there is no basis to sue at all. So as of this moment, it's still up in the air. However, we're gonna, we're gonna know the final ruling in just a matter of weeks, about six to seven weeks. Okay, so that's the Supreme Court, but there's more going on. Last week, the Education Secretary testified to the Senate. He said that the student loan payment pause would not be extended. And after he testified this, the Biden administration confirmed this. So keep in mind, and we're talking about this regardless of what the Supreme Court decides to do. So for example, so this is where it's important. So for example, let's say that let's say that you have $30,000 in student loan debt. And if there is student loan cancellation for $10,000, then in that case, I mean, you'd still have a balance, you still have a balance of $20,000, and you'd have to start making your payments again on your remaining balance. But of course, if student loan cancellation gets shot down by the Supreme Court, well, then nothing's going to be forgiven. And then your payments for the full balance, well, in this example of $30,000, it would resume and you'd have to start making your payments again for the full amount. So the education secretary said, we're confident that the Supreme Court will rule in favor of debt relief. And he added, the pause has been extended eight times. The emergency period is over and we're preparing for borrowers to restart their payments. So the Department of Education is now communicating with student loan companies for restarting payments. So here's the plan. Here's how this is all supposed to happen. The timeline of events. 60 days after the Supreme Court decision or so or 60 days after June 30th. So whichever comes first payments will restart. So here's the roadmap. So June 30th rolls around. 60 days later is, okay, you have July, and then you have August, and then payments will resume in September. And September's payments will be due by October. So that is the expected timeline. So that is how this is gonna play out. Now, when it comes to student loan cancellation, I wanna clarify what is going on in the House of Representatives. So the House, so the House is trying to block student loan cancellation even before the Supreme Court issues their ruling. The Republicans control the House of Representatives and the Education Committee in the House voted to block student loan forgiveness. So Congressman Good is trying to use the Congressional Review Act to overturn what the Biden administration has already done. And separately, you have the debt ceiling fight between the Democrats and the Republicans. And one of the conditions that the Republicans want is that the Democrats drop student loan cancellation. So I'll give you my opinion on these two developments at the end.
Okay, so let's talk about the consequences of not forgiving student loans. The U.S. Department of Education is issuing warnings, so they warned about this. They said that if student loans are not forgiven, then student loan delinquencies and defaults will spike once the payment pause ends. And the institutions are saying that the cost of higher education is just getting worse. The College Board said, college is only getting more expensive. The average cost of college, including room and board, at a public college is $23,250 a year. At a private college, it's $53,430 a year. So the Institute for College Access and Success says that seven out of 10 college seniors graduate with student loan debt. And student loan debt in America has now ballooned to $1.7 trillion. Okay, now I wanna give you my opinion. So you have the Republicans in control of the House of Representatives and you have the Democrats in control of the Senate. So yes, the House Republicans are trying to kill student loan cancellation. They're trying to eliminate it in the debt ceiling negotiations. They're trying to overturn it with the Congressional Review Act. So I'll say this, yes, those, they might be successful in the House of Representatives, but those would be dead on arrival in the Senate because the Democrats control the Senate. So I wouldn't take any developments in the House of Representatives seriously because we have a divided Congress. So that is the honest truth. So I'm telling you, it's at the end of the day, it's all going to boil down to the Supreme Court. It's going to boil down to their decision. They're going to issue a ruling in the next six to seven weeks or sooner. So we're going to find out very shortly. And this is the Supreme Court. So their decision will be final. It is rare that it's so rare that a Supreme Court decision gets overturned, it happens less than 1% of the time. So you would need a constitutional amendment or a new ruling. And again, the chances of that happen, the chance of that happening is less than 1%. That's the status update. That's the situation as of today. Please feel free to leave your comments down below. And again, please take a look at what other people are saying. Thank you so much. Please subscribe. And I wish you a very nice day. Take care. So there's your boy, Brian Kim, clear value tax. Um, look, if you were, let me put it to you this way. If you planned on paying, let's say $277, between $250 and $300 a month on student loans, just for, let's say a hundred grand, $100,000 in student loans, if you paid, between $250 and $300 a month in student loans. And that's not including any interest at all. No interest. It would take you 30 years to pay it off. If you paid between $250 and $300 a month, it would take you over 30 years to pay that entire thing off. That's that. Do you really want to be stuck with something like that? Now, you maybe, I, I don't know. Some people maybe are depending their their livelihood or their their bank account or their future is depending upon whether or not this thing uh whether the supreme court sides with the forgiveness it's not for me to say i have my opinions on it but i'm just letting you know you need to be prepared for this because it's going to happen one way or another there are some people that maybe don't have a hundred thousand dollars in, in uh, student loan debt maybe they have like 10 15 20 30 um but they're still paying a significant amount and 
That shit adds up. So you need to be prepared for it. It and I don't know how many like they could say depending upon these groups or these organizations are saying that these this many people are going to be uh, immediate immediately behind schedule when it comes to paying it. We don't know. I can tell you this, it will be a factor. I just don't know how much of a factor it will be. Yes, there were plenty of people that were delinquent on their student loans from the very, very beginning when the emergency authorization was enacted. From the very beginning, they were behind in their student loans. They were behind in their payments. They were behind on mortgage payments. They are behind on all kinds of shit. The question is, where are they now? The question is, I mean, like I said, I'm walking outside. I see caps and gowns. I don't know if they're going to be able to get a job. I don't know if they're going to the military. I don't know if they're going to do additional schooling. I don't know if they're going right into the workforce or if they're going to be able to find a job or at least the job that they want, the job that they're aiming for, or if they're just going straight home. But I can tell you this, in about 90 days, those payments are going to be waiting for them. Now, I don't know what... I mean, we could do some calculations, but you can go and do them for yourself. You can go online and be like, average monthly payment... Uh, ad, average... Uh, monthly payment for college debt and then you could do the student there's probably loan calculators out there um that you can you could take advantage of for free and i would advise you to do so if under the assumption that you're going to have to pay i don't want you to be do i don't want to be doom and gloom let's let's just say if you're leaving college expect some responsibility of the shit that you have to pay you can defer it for only so long you can defer it for only so long, and then eventually you're going to have to pay. So look at it this way. Find somebody who can help you or find a website or a guide or a, a tax person or something or bill person or consolidation loan person, whatever, to help, to guide you like, okay, uh, this thing's not going to work out. I still got 20 grand, 30 grand, 80 grand left. It. I got to pay. What do I do? How do I organize this? What are my goals? What Somebody help me budget. Somebody help me organize. Go find that person. Go find that person now. That way you can be like, okay, it's not as bad as I thought it was, but I'm really going to have to take some strides here. I'm going to have to make some sacrifices. But don't freak out. But definitely um, get focused and get focused quick. Like I've had some times in my life where all of a sudden the money train stopped. The money trains, And I immediately had to, to pivot from going to okay i'm going i'm going to work uh I, i'm i'm going to work here i'm gonna make this paycheck and we're gonna do that and the next thing you know nope you're laid off you're laid off you've got this many months and then it's like okay well i guess i'm not doing that tomorrow i guess i'm going to the unemployment office to let them know that i'm fucked or you walk into the work next day ah you're no longer needed or you're fired all right you immediately pivot and it's like okay all my all of my priorities have changed. I need to go in this direction now. I need to go do this now, immediately. You do that, and these sometimes these moments in life that really stop you dead in your tracks are the ones that help you refocus on getting your shit together. And maybe this student loan thing will be something that takes care of takes care of a few people and kind of gets them to focus on one direction that they need to be going in, which is making sure that you're responsible for the amount of bills that you put out there, for the amount of debt that you put out there. I mean, I can't I can tell you not to even bother going to college, but there's thousands of kids getting out right now, getting their cap and gowns ready for whatever reason, and they don't have a choice. They have it. They have it. Okay. What are they going to do with it? Are they most likely going to be in the job 
Are they going to be at the job of their choice the minute they get out of here? <laughs> I fucking doubt it. And if they're just going for like a bachelor or a liberal arts degree, then that what is the job of your choice? There is none. It doesn't exist. So if you are going to have this, this debt, okay, my advice to you is pay it off as quickly as you can. Focus on nothing but paying that debt. And, well, not just pay, focus on paying that debt. Set a little, little aside, put into the stock market or – um, which is gonna, probably going to bottom out another 10 to 15%. But either case, start now. Start now. Because it's going to take you forever to pay this shit off. So you've got forever to start invested, investing. You've got forever to start putting things aside and start consolidating every single part of your life. This is the best time to do it. This is the best time to do it. Because what else are you going to do with that money? Go to the bar and blow it on fucking cheap vodka? It's not a, it's not a great decision. This is the best time... Like, all right, I'm going to be, when I'm be between the ages of 18 and 25, I'm going to be as stupid as possible. But as stupid as I'm going to be, I'm going to at least be smart enough to take that 10% that's in that shitty little paycheck that I get uh, that has nothing to do with my fucking college degree. And I'm going to put it in this thing over here that makes me monthly dividends or quarterly dividends or, an, or a high interest rate. I'm going to do something with it. Other than just blow it on fucking, you know, all the dumbest things in life. If you're prepared to be stupid, you can, you can, okay, you can be stupid, but at least prepare to be stupid. Being prepared to be stupid is one of the smartest things you could ever do. <laughs> so do me that favor because I don't want to have to pay for your fucking mistakes. That being said, um, we are at 15 minutes. I want to switch over to now, uh, back in the past, I've talked about. Uh, mega structures and really really cool um, things that have been built over time and they're what's actually I want to go to uh, where the flipping shizzy biz is okay is this it yeah that's it okay um, if you guys have not paid attention to Dubai Dubai is this I mean incredibly uh, interesting place full of um, you know, it's it's a very religious area, Dubai. It's a, it's, it's a Muslim territory, um, but they have some of the best. Uh, I mean, the most beautiful stuff I've ever seen you ever seen in your life. Like they they have a lot of amazing architecture. One of the the tallest buildings in the world is there. They have these amazing. Um, islands. This is called the Palm. They built this out of the ground. They just dumped a shit ton of sand in the ocean, and they built this beautiful thing where the water drifts in and out health-wise. They, I mean, it's absolutely amazing. So they built this. There was nothing there, and look at that now. Um, they built a, they built another one. Uh, excuse me, down here, which uh, is this is before they, it's been occupied, and also. They, you have the worlds, which actually didn't do too well, but it is there. So you could actually purchase properties on each one of these islands. Um, some of them are occupied, but it is still there, and it's designed to be uh, a, a piece of the world, like it's supposed to look like the worlds. Um, so they did that. Um, that one I wasn't really a huge fan of. It was pretty clever, but so when it comes to um, when it comes to Dubai, they are known for doing some of the more insane uh, architecture. They really are pushing uh, the limit as far as things that be, can be accomplished in an area where there's heavy, heavy windstorms. It's it can be dangerous living there. I mean, when you zoom out, 
this is where you are. That's Iran up here, up at the top. Okay. Um, so there's a there, it's it's a rough area uh, to be living in. But when you when I mean Dubai is that jewel is that is that oceanside jewel. It is gorgeous as far as this goes. Um, there are specific religious uh, restrictions for people who live there. But for like tourists and stuff, there's a lot of exemptions when it comes to drinking and a few other things. Um, but there are there are rules there, and I strongly suggest that you follow them. If you are a tourist there, you should always respect your area, uh, the place you're traveling to. Now they're not done with all this crazy shit that they're uh, that they they're building. Um, so in somewhere, it's a place called ne uh, Neom in basically in the Saudi uh, the Saudi state they are building this fucking crazy thing called the line basically uh, it's a city so imagine there's a perfect example um, imagine if New York City not just, well, excuse me not New York City but imagine if Manhattan right here if Manhattan was condensed within basically the walls of this line. All condensed into one line. Essentially, just condensing the rest of the island, the rest of Manhattan Island would just be nothing but trees. It'd be one giant central park. Only the center would be the actual city. That's pretty cool. So, I mean, the idea of condensing something like New York City down to that just giant line, sustain, quote, sustainable living. There isn't a... The architect... I mean, let's face it, a lot of fucking money behind it. Um... I love technical innovation. I love technological innovations like this. I, I think it, there is something to this because um, I'm curious. I'm sure there's pros and cons to living in something like that, but it's worth attempting to see if it offers value to a place as condensed and as crazy as New York City is and as was and will be and all that stuff. But um, the question is, though, it's like if it is – if if it was to be redesigned, if you were to redesign New York City, where it's basically just a one line of of buildings and skyscrapers and residential and commercial, do you? Re I don't. I don't know if the outer areas would be just turned back into agriculture or or woodlands or prairies or whatever. I don't think that would be the case. I think it would just they'd build more shit because I think that's just their mindset. And I don't know. Crime is so spread out over the city. I don't know what crime would be like inside this walled line. But I'm getting a little too negative here. I want to really just talk about or show about, uh, read about the actual, um, how fucking cool this thing is. And there was a bunch of like information about what it is. And I'm trying to figure out, there was a guy who was talking about it and I had it. Th well, this guy, the, uh, Giles Pendleton. He had a full-blown... Let's see. There we go. Read the article. Let me see here. 
the line, taking vertical urbanism to the next level. So mixed-use buildings have hinted at the possibilities since the 1960s, but Neom would truly deliver on the promise with its linear city. Running from the Red Sea coast through epic desert to the majestic mountains in Saudi Arabia, with all of life's needs within a 170-kilometer-long structure. Uh, most of us live in a horizontal world, but this is not the best use of space. Neither is the most productive or the most efficient way to use the planet's already stretched resources. Those who live in mixed-use buildings in cities will attest to the convenience of having residential, office, retail, medical, education, sports, and entertainment facilities in the same area. So a future-proof approach. This all started in 1969 with the John Hancock Tower in Chicago, continued all the way through the skyscrapers we see uh, all over the world today. The true promise, though, has never been fulfilled, and perhaps it can't be with a traditional skyscraper, where the vertical limits to how how you can safely go. True. True. Because in, like, Washington, D.C., the buildings are not tall at all. Uh, so with the world on the cusp of mass urbanization, a new solution is needed. Cities can't be allowed to spread wider and wider, raising carbon emissions and destroying green belt land. Between now and 2030, more than a billion people will move from rural to urban areas, say forecasters. I'm wondering if that's still true, though. If So if more than a billion people will move from rural to urban areas, I, I think that was that read was that written before COVID? I wonder if that was written before COVID because after COVID happened, people moved from the cities and from the urban areas to more rural scenarios, to more common countryside stuff. So I would contest to that, but I mean, we'll see. But I don't know if that's correct. That part is, is correct now. Um, the biggest cities in the world are going to house 50 million people each. By the end of the century, another 4.5 billion humans will urbanize. The city's honeypot effect started decades ago and is now amplifying an alarming rate. Like I said, I don't, I don't know if that's still true. Imagine then a whole city within 500 meter tall and a 200 meter wide building, stretching 170 kilometers across the coast, desert mountains, and the northeast Saudi Arabia. A place housing 9 million people within 34 square kilometers. Well, that's what we are building with the line. It will deliver total vertical urbanism residents will be able to live on the 50th floor for example and go down to a, in a lift to the 20th floor to a restaurant hotel or dentist basically a giant indoor mall where you could live and work and travel or even travel sideways to their office university or football match all within minutes from home quote a better way to live this will be like adding another dimension to life at the same time addressing long commutes urban sprawl and carbon emissions especially given that the line will be a car free will be car free and run exclusively on renewable energy our lofty ambitions are are to solve a lot of the world's societal economic and environmental ills in one go this includes urban congestion pollution and, in, and inequality we can deal with all these problems with smart and responsible development. We have answered the question, how do you build a city with the smallest possible footprint? A question that is vital when you consider that Saudi Arabia's population is likely to triple in the next 30 years. Everything you need will be within a five-minute walk on the, on the line, including nature. You won't have to leave the building, although, of course, you will because the beaches, beach, desert, and mountains will be just outside your door. Not to mention an international airport that will take you anywhere in the world fast and with an best-in-class customer experience 
Plus a hidden mean marina that will mean you can jump on a cruise ship or take a short boat trip to an incredible island like Sindala. Added to that, everyone will have views of nature and access to, some sh to, to the same shared services no matter what your salary. Learning from history. However, we all know that towers have a dark history. We must learn the lessons from poor as well as the best practices. The social housing blocks in Europe and the projects in America failed disastrously, becoming crime-ridden wastelands. Okay. He's pointing out generalities, but he's got a point for sure. Um, that was all about the quality of the building, socioeconomic issues, and the fact that they were sterile environments with no offices, hospitals, schools, or leisure offerings. Okay. Everything you needed to do other than sleep, you had to leave these places and travel somewhere else, which was not ideal when you consider that social housing is usually on the outer edges of the city. This inequality turned to perpetual urban sprawl, congestion, and pollution. It's a vicious cycle and has to change. That model was never going to work, but it had to be attempted because people needed to be resettled from awful slums in the post-war era. Even if with high-end uh, high inner-city high-rise buildings, it hasn't panned out well. Office space dominates and the city centers empty out at night as people working there leave for the suburbs. You have this unnecessary mass movement of people every, uh, movement of people every single day. It drains the energy of people on the planet. Building needs function day and night, and if we are to thrive rather than just survive as a species. So, on the line, people will be able to live, work, and play within the same module communities of 80,000 people. You will have a five-minute bubble around you, which will include everything you could possibly want in life. The idea isn't to limit people's experiences, but to unlock more time for them. By that, we mean important things like time with family, hobbies, and learning. You may have to travel when going to an airport, water park, or for sporting events, although it will be a relatively short journey. Traveling the line from end to end, all 170 kilometers of it will be quick on a high-speed rail. In a way, it will be a utopia. Great weather and close to the sea. Epic nature all around within a city built with inside of a park. It will actually be the best lifestyle anywhere on the planet. So, I keep going back to... Okay, architectural... I don't have a problem with the architecturals of this thing. I'm more than i'm more than confident they can actually build this thing like basically it could be you know 80 meters tall and this far and this much wide you could build soccer stadiums in it i mean we built giant malls giant ass malls in uh these crazy place all in these crazy places like minnesota and whatnot and they have i mean i went to a I went to a, a giant ass mall in San Francisco and on the very top of it was like a 16 theater cineplex movie theater type thing. And it was awesome. Uh, you know, there was the, San the University of San Francisco. Then there was the mall, which was like three or four stories tall. And then there was the cineplex on top of that. And I'm sure there was probably condos right, or apartments right next to it. I'm sure you could build. And then there was like, there's like the Mall of America. There's all kinds of things that you could stuff inside of a 170 kilometer long linear very very tall structure depending upon how you build it now if any of you guys have ever watched something like uh the back rooms uh by kane pixels it's a perfect example of um taking everything and stuffing it inside of just this this linear never-ending structure um it's kind of but it's kind of haunting so you actually think about it we'll, we'll talk about the, the thing i mentioned earlier for in just a second but imagine if you will you're inside this 170 kilometer structure 170 kilometers long 
and it's whether it be nighttime or a certain area of the structure um you're i have considerate i'm considering that the inside of the structure will at the end of the day be no different than the current the city's current builds so you have good neighborhoods bad neighborhoods good jobs shit jobs nice restaurants crappy restaurants okay on top of that you have crime murder rape muggings beatings you have all these crazy shit corruption all this stuff people patting people's pockets you have all this why not if you've ever seen the movie oh what is it snowpiercer with chris evans so all the as you get closer and closer to the front the more rich and wealthy and well-to-do people are and then all the crappy homeless people who ate these these protein blocks which were essentially crickets cricket proteins um they all sat in the very last one or two rails of the train and this train just kept going kept going kept going this train just kept going around this certain part of the earth and the people the, the plebs per se were stuck in the back crowded dirty sick um i'm concerned that if you yeah sure if you take 30 million people or 10 million people or 5 million people and you stick them inside 170 kilometers long who's to say that some of this stuff won't either won't get populated or it will turn into a bad area i wouldn't rule it out who's to enforce it oh we don't go into we don't go we don't go to mile six you don't go to mile six why that's eh, controlled by gangs it's possible i mean I, I i see the absolute beauty in a line that is perfectly constructed meticulously especially in a place like dubai i can also see it turning into gang warfare abandoned areas terrorism um you know dystopian type uh um, oppression or you know some real orwellian type shit i think of these movies and i input them like i see 1984 happening in inside of a, a line type city although i could happen i could see all of the downsides of a regular city happening inside the line with just a different type with different complexities with different overall uh overall construction I see it happening. You have a you have 170 miles long. How many people are actually going to get in this? How many people are going to fund this? Can you actually, uh, you know, you walk into some malls right now and they're at like 10% capacity, 20% capacity, and you can't fill those things with all the current infrastructure that you want to. Who's to say that a 170 kilometer line in the middle of the desert isn't going to meet the same fate as i don't know mall of america mall of new hampshire steeplegate mall who's to say that there's tons of malls right now commercial real estate is failing miserably right now 
people are working at home, people are moving out of the city. So my second point was in the beginning that this gentleman, very smart guy, says that people are moving from the rural areas to, to more urban areas and then urban areas to the city. What I saw, and what I, from what I understand, people are fleeing places like California, New York, Chicago, and they're moving to other states. They're moving from the cities to the more urban areas, from the more urban areas to the more rural areas. Hell, they're moving out of fucking state. So I see the exact, a lot of the exact opposite because people don't want to put up with the crime. They don't want to put up with the bullshit. They have the opportunity to work from home. They, they change their mindset on how they want to live their life. So who's to say you build this, you build this mass condo complex, this mass apartment block, this mass uh, industrial or excuse me, residential development that's right next to a bunch of city, uh, a bunch of city jobs and stuff. But they're like, well, we, you know, we don't want to fucking live there anymore. Crime sucks. I don't want to have. I don't want to raise my kids there. Prices are too expensive. We can't afford to live there. Why would we? If I'd like to live there, can't. Too expensive. You build these huge developments, and and to live there costs like five hundred to a million dollars. You see it all over the place. So I don't know if you're going to be able to create a line that's fully occupied, that's safe, and that people are going to actually thrive in. I would, but if anybody, if there's anybody on this earth who should be attempting such a thing, it absolutely should be the Saudi family. I don't, and you know what? I don't shit on the idea, but I feel that life and society and people will act no different uh, in a line that's more condensed than they would in. A regular city like New York, Chicago, San Francisco, Los Angeles. I really don't. I think they'll act no different. But it is beautiful. And there may be some really positive takeaways from developing something like this that can be implemented to create smarter infrastructure that will give back a little more of the environment. I think that might be possible. I think that might be doable. You maybe can't turn the entire you maybe you can't turn all of Manhattan into a linear uh, a line of stuff but maybe you can get a third of it back maybe you can actually turn some of that into something where ownership where people who have a sense of ownership in these in this structure really uh, I don't know do more to better it I don't know I don't know but I, I fine try it it's something it, unlike other things this has never been attempted it's something that's never been attempted they have the money. I say, give it a shot. Give it a shot over there. See how it works out, and then report back to us. If it works with that culture in that society, okay. Find a, a culture that's a little more similar there, that maybe wants to try it out, and then go from there. But you start there, okay. As far as the people going to these uh, to these cities and these more urban areas. I haven't been seeing that reporting. I've been seeing more of the opposite. People moving out of Massachusetts, people moving out of New York, people moving out of Illinois to just flat out Florida, South Carolina, New Hampshire. That's what I'm seeing. That's what's being reported. A hundred percent. Texas as well. I wish them all the best. I'm just obviously... I have some skep. I have some skepticism. 
justifiably so, especially after the last few years. And with commercial real estate right now and debt ceilings and all that other kind of shit, definitely puts a uh, uh, it puts some weight against his argument. But like I said, maybe he said this. Bef- he probably said this before the pandemic happened. So we are at 38 minutes. We're going to close up shop with some Q&A. By the way, if you want to support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amounts appreciated. Merchware is available at my website. The Weeble app is available in the affiliate link, the description down below. Get some free stocks. The sun is going down, but I'm going to keep the lights off uh, while we enjoy the last few minutes of some Q&A. My daughter recently got married in Washington, D.C., and it was a beautiful day. There was a freak snowstorm, however, that put a layer of white snow down before the ceremony. Nice. One of the guests invited a friend who had beautiful bright pink, bright pink hair. Cool. There was no seating chart, and the friend sat on the aisle toward the front of the ceremony. In the video, and the most of the photos were taken of the ceremony, with a white snow backdrop, the friend with the bright pink hair distracts your gaze so much that it takes away from the focus of the wedding of the bride and groom. Would it be ethical? Uh, would it be ethical to replace the hair digitally with a more neutral ha- colored hair, or would it be disrespectful to the pink-haired guest? Um, I think just leave it in. I mean, are you the... Okay, so you're the photographer. My daughter got recently, and it was a beautiful day. Okay, one of my guests, one of the guests invited. So you're not the photographer. Okay. Um, then, well, that's for the photographer to actually notate. That's the photographer's responsibility, honestly. Um, as far as the removing it, no, no. It's part of the experience. You just leave it in. Leave it in. It's not why, – why should people get upset about that? She went there. She had beautiful pink hair, and, and that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It wasn't ratty, shitty hair. It was just she happened to be there. She happened to have pink hair, and that's pretty much that. I wouldn't – I would advise I would advise you not to work consider yourself with it. Um, besides, photographers and uh, photo editors, people who edit photos, there are things that they can do to put up more of a focal point on the bride and groom without having to sacrifice somebody else's uh, expensive taste in hair color gel. So we'll just leave that one alone. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Ooh, here we go. This one's a good one. This one's juicy. I started working for a nonprofit last year. Good for you. I work with our community partners a lot, and our director Fergus likes to ask me, likes to ask that, likes to ask me to ask them for things without telling me they already said no to. He said he'd tell you that he's the kind of guy who doesn't take no for an answer, which is fine. But I guess not the way he does it. Two short examples. Ooh, examples. My first week. He told me to email one of our partners, introduce myself, and ask them to do favor X. I got back a very tense email, a very terse email, with the partner with all the levels of their organization's CC, saying they've already explained multiple times they cannot and will not do favor X. When I asked Fergus about that, he said he forgot asking them and that they shouldn't have been so rude in their response. Two. Our venue for a donor event fell through at the last minute and a local church agreed to host it. Unknown to me, they told Fergus that with other events, we just had a few hours to set up and clean up before and after the event. He sent me over there with supplies two days before start 
to start set, setting up, which ended up me having with me having a very awkward conversation with the people there about how there was no way we could do that, and he already explained it to him. Ferguson's response was, well, they should have at least let you store the stuff there since you brought it over. So I'm doing a few things. First, I'm recognizing red flags. If he asked me to contact someone I have no relationship with and he asked me to do something that's a red flag, I'm already always, I'm also prefacing my request to people like, with Fergus asked me to ask you, awkward but true. And with something like the example, second example, I'm asking, I'm either asking him for more details like, what time do they say they were available for me to bring stuff over? or being proactive in email and to say, Fergus said I should bring some of our supplies to the event for the event over today. Is 10 a.m. good for you? But I get a lot of no's and angry ones because they already told him no. And now I'm asking again. I know I, I need to address this because working with our partners is a big part of my job and I'm pissing them off. Also, his reputation is terrible. When I say, Fergus asked me to ask, I've seen people actually roll their eyes in meetings. I do not want to do, I do not want to, I, wait, I don't want to not do what he asks me to do, but he's asking me to do things that are hurting our relationships with our partners. Okay. I would leave this nonprofit, unfortunately. I understand that nonprofits, nonprofits in, in the idea of a nonprofit in general is to do good is to take the money and all the proceeds and all the things that you get and put it towards good things. But if they're poorly run, that's bad. That's bad. It's not something you want to be a part of. Um, I know I've worked with very good nonprofits and I've worked with some shitty nonprofits. And I'll be honest with you, the good nonprofits, they had a goal, they were focused, they, they mingled well, they had strong backing, they were organized, and they were fun. And I've worked with bad ones that were just severely disorganized that were, um, they couldn't, they weren't clear in their requests. They weren't clear with their messaging and it was just a disaster, just an absolute disaster. So, and those are ones you don't want to work with. You don't want to work with them because honestly, it just takes all the energy out of you to the point where you don't want to work with nonprofits and, and that's sad. So I think that, uh, you should just, Stay out of this one and go find something better. If it if it's the if it's a money thing, there's other jobs. There just is. There's other jobs. There's other focuses. There's other things that you can be passionate about. Let's do one more. Can I get my former coworker to go out with me after I used her firing as an opportunity to hit on her? Oh Jesus. So long story short, this girl coworker I like got I liked got fired. I believe, and I found her through Facebook and started talking to her through Messenger. And first of all, I was saying, hi, so-and-so. She responded a couple minutes later with, hi, much later in my shift. I responded back with, yes, sorry for being late with this. Just wanted to see if you're okay. And she responded with only a heart next with only a heart next morning. So later that day, I wanted to see if I can delve deeper into a meaningful conversation and said, so what do you like to do for fun? So then I added, because I hate the thought of not seeing you at work anymore. She never responded back. So uh, first, I'm curious about what's so wrong with what I said because I showed it to others and they told me it's creepy. Next, I really like this girl and I don't want it to be over at this point. So is there any way to come back from that? Nope. Nope. Uh, now, um, but you said, sorry for being late with this. Just want to see if you're okay. And she responded with a heart the next morning. Okay, cool. And then you asked, 
I wanted to see if, uh, okay, you said, so what do you like to do for fun? Because I hate the thought of not seeing you at work anymore. That's, there's nothing, I don't, okay, if that's not creepy, what do you like to do for fun? Because I hate the thought of not seeing you at work anymore. So you decided to ask her what she likes to do. And if you obviously incinerating, would you like to go do something? And that you actually like seeing her at work and okay, that, that's fine. I, I, I don't see an issue with that. You didn't push it after that. You, you will push it if she doesn't, um, if you send another message at this point, don't apologize. Don't cause you're, she doesn't want your apology. She doesn't want to talk to you. So I would just at this point just end or no, it is out. It's over. She doesn't want to talk to you. She's not happy. She just lost her job. Um, so at this point, just let it go and move on from there. You know, you, you really like this girl. You, you don't, but you don't know her. You don't know her and she doesn't want to know you. So leave it alone. I, I'm serious. It, it's, I'm serious. You think you think, but you think is what you, not what you think. So seriously, it's not worth your time. She basically turned you down. Um, so you, it's not creepy what you did. If you say anything after this, it is creepy. Okay, you're welcome. Uh, we are at 47 minutes. We're gonna go ahead and close up shop today uh, on this uh, late, lately recorded podcast. My excuses. I my apologies. It was. Uh, uh, crazy past few days, but a lot of fun. I enjoyed my time and I got some tanning out of it. Uh, in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm, facebook.com slash POS sarcasm, uh, like subscribe, share, donate positive sarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. You can find me on, uh, this is available video, uh, on rumble positive sarcasm, facebook.com slash POS sarcasm. You can also find the video at audio version anywhere. Podcasts are available, including Substack. Um, so in the meantime, uh, you can talk, you can subscribe to this channel. You can subscribe to my pod, my YouTube channel, uh, Positive Sarcasm Reactions, if you want to go ahead and check out that type of thing. Uh, but everything's available at my website, PositiveSarcasm.com. Uh, in the meantime, like, subscribe, share, donate, and plan your billings for if you are getting ready for college debt to be coming off deferral. And I'll talk to you all next week. Recorded here from the Spare Parts Studio. This has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation. You give me strength to face the daily dirt You fill my hollow heart with fakes of worth You like to let me know I cannot break the spell The more I reach out for heaven The more you drag me to hell This love eviscerates Till I am in your throat Sleep offers no escape I feel temptation call Repulsed by my own mind Obsession craves respect To justify the time When all the pain can make sense to me You can't be what you're